0: And welcome back to another week of the Geek Whispers. I'm Amy Lewis.
1: I'm Matt Broberg.
2: And I'm John Mark Troyer.
0: And we have gathered, uh, not just ourselves, but two fantastic guests today to answer the question, so you think you want a keynote, what next? Um, I, Without further ado, I'm going to have Emily and Renee actually introduce themselves so I don't butcher their names, their titles, or their experience. So Emily, do you want to lead off?
3: Absolutely. Thanks, Amy. My name is Emily Hendershot and I've been in the nonprofit industry for close to 10 years with a focus on user communities. Currently, I work for an association management company providing operations oversight to three different technology clients. Uh, One in virtualization, one in telecommunications and then a certification council. You may know me from a VMware event.
0: Very cool. Renee?
3: Hello, I'm
4: Renee Woods. I work at the same association management firm as Emily. Um, I work on a number of clients as well. Uh, We worked together on a virtualization client. Um, My focus was really on community, uh, bringing people together, resources to people, um, providing a platform for people to have their voices be heard. So really a community and educational focus.
0: And so I I can't resist. Um, I have to throw a number out there because it just makes Matt insane when I I come up with something like this. Yes. (laughs) No, um, no,
1: it's that's what what's that called? Inception? I think I'm I'm in I'm in there messing with the so metrics.
0: <laughs> just to um just to sort of ground all of our listeners, give us a ballpark estimate of how many keynotes you've been a part of.
4: Forty events total under our belts, couple of keynotes per event, um,
3: plus a few extras. So yeah.
0: So you've 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 seen things.
3: <laughs> yes we have seen things and those are one day events and um annual conferences so multi-day too it just depends on on the organization
2: uh, I, so i want to i want to lay some background here first in that your company uh, manages programs and events for non-profit associations like like you know surgeon associations and technology company associate user groups and things like that right that's the kind of the general thing we're talking about here
4: yes absolutely so there's there's kind of a technology business unit, um, there's a healthcare business unit, and then also there's business and trade, which is kind of the catch-all category. So everything from nursing associations to lumber associations to technology. Right.
2: But and the, which and the, I, Yeah, go ahead, Amy.
0: Which I love, great question, John, because I love the universality of this, because I'm dying to know if everybody is as panicked before uh, keynoting in every industry.
3: Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> same thing.
2: <same you>
0: <laughs> we
3: have the folks who are confident, right, who've been doing it for years and years, but there are those folks in the middle or even some who have been long-term keynotes who um, always have that little jitter or pre-keynote pre, pre um, keynote ritual that they do. So it's fun to see. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, and I think, too, you know, the events we worked on uh, on the same client together were all typically one day more community-driven Um, so you would have some folks who weren't necessarily professional public speakers. Some of our clients have a giant annual conference, a huge budget, you know, a famous guy. Um, so it really varies.
0: Well, that I have to dive in then the number one question has to be, how do you start? How do you even get started? If you think you want a keynote, what's step one?
4: I think step one is, you know, to figure out, um, what message you want to convey, what message you would like to share with others. I think that would be one, and another would be um, to look at which venues um, to start practicing. So, you know, go to, you know, everyone wants to hear from users, especially in technology. They don't necessarily want a sales pitch, you know, typically. So um, I would say check out user groups, meetups, start talking, start just kind of um, taking the floor when you have the opportunity. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to get up in, in front of a large crowd. Um, you know there's there's a few ways. I think another thing too that I've seen at some of our conferences is simply the anticipation before getting on stage can somewhat be nerve-wracking. So if you can take the opportunity to introduce a keynote or oh, announce
0: the giveaways,
4: yeah, or announce the giveaways or any, small couple lines that you get to say on stage in front of hundreds of people is practice for those jitters.
0: Oh my gosh. What a great idea that there's always somebody looking to emcee. So you're saying any mic time helps people be more confident when the all eyes are on them.
3: Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that really confidence and a willingness is the first thing that we look for. When we were planning events, there'd be so many times the volunteer committees would ask us, who have you seen? What's the latest and greatest? Uh, what names would you recommend? And so really, it's just putting yourself out there in the community, being involved. Uh, so many times we would refer back to folks who are on Twitter or blogging or have done other events that we could refer to. And that's really um the first step to getting involved is just being a part of that community and saying that you're willing to do it. There are plenty of organizations who are looking for folks to give the customer or a personal testimonial about what they've been working on at work or otherwise.
0: And, and I just have to pause here and highlight that point. I, I have had the good fortune of working on events as part of my marketing career for a good long time now. And I think people um, oftentimes folks like yourselves who just make the magic happen behind the scenes, people don't necessarily know you until they have reason to know you. Um, and it's such a good reminder to everybody listening out there, uh, people are watching. So if you think that you're, like you said, those other activities that you're engaged with that people don't see, um, you might be surprised that there's this whole group of people in charge of putting events on that that make that magic behind the scenes that are asked to bring their opinions to the table because nobody probably attends more events than you guys. I'm sure you log an incredible amount of miles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Amy, to your point, like so many times when we say on the show that people are watching, unfortunately it has a negative bend at times. I mean, our past conversation of a social media, social media career killer um, really emphasized the risk involved, but this is such a clear cut reward opportunity where just being active and having something to say in a, in a community could get you the opportunity to speak. Um, And showing interest in that is also uh, a bonus for these, these uh, very
0: friendly lurkers that we have now gotten on the line with. I I feel like, I feel like we have food critics that now can never go in a restaurant (laughs) again without being mobbed.
2: (laughs) We're talking about keynotes in particular. So we're not, We've, we've, we're have we've taking as established, which is kind of interesting in 2017 and in another way not, that, that getting together in groups are still important, right? Even with all this online stuff. Um, what is the purpose of a keynote? Why does, it, why does an event have a keynote and what are people looking for when they pick keynotes?
4: All right. Um, well, I think the purpose of the keynote, uh, you know, honestly, to your point, there are so many events and meetups and things out there. You know, perhaps it can kind of um, get lost in the flow. If you have keynotes, there's some solid anchors to the event. You know, there's some uh, solid speakers that you're looking forward to. Maybe you don't click on an agenda and read every session right away. Um, but you have these um, these people that you have access to uh, in person. So, you know, if you follow their blog, if you follow them on social media, they you kind of hold them at this celebrity level. And this is an opportunity to hear from them um, straight on, and then hopefully, and we do encourage this, hopefully have a chance to chat with them uh, afterward and have some some FaceTime with them. So that is one thing that I would recommend if, you know, for the people keynoting out there, if you can stick around at an event, shake hands, bring books or sell books and sign books, you know, sometimes it's hard to start that
3: conversation. Um, It's an opportunity to engage. And really for the event, too, I think it's a focal point. So many times what's happening um, and what people want to see sometimes in the planning committee for keynotes are at announcement time, what's the latest and greatest. Um, But the shift that I've seen in the last few years being a part of virtualization events has been from having those partners who are presenting, sharing some of their product or service updates to that shift to career development. And so, what are folks getting out of the community has been a topic. What is the path that someone has taken to develop their career, and then just things of industry relevance too.
0: I feel like we should uh, just pay these ladies for that sponsored line, <laughs> 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 but, and that is really interesting. I'm I am fascinated <laughs> by that shift, and I wonder what it says because we're actually not in a particularly down economy now. Um, so I feel like a lot of people are employed, but I think that's so interesting that maybe that gives us, um, I don't know, time to think about our careers. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. on this podcast, we think about this all the time, but I, I think that's fascinating that you have found more of an appetite for those type of keynotes.
4: Yeah. I think it used to be kind of the back pocket topic. You know, if we were kind of struggling to, um, come up with something to focus on for a keynote. Um, well, we could always do career, you know, we'll find somebody who can talk about career path, but it really did switch. And that's really a primary topic now.
2: Well, I wonder if part of that is just maybe the pace of change. Everybody realizes that, you know, getting up to speed on the latest, you know, hearing about the latest version of the kit is one reason they're there, but um, every, the kit's going to change in six months anyway, right? And so maybe everybody realizes that, that the bigger kind of meta framework is, is the, is just as important.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And who are taking the time to go to an event for those people. They're very invested already in the community and in the industry. So for the most part, they've probably been reading up on blogs. They've seen the announcements that they've come out. So they're looking for some more of that, but they're also looking for that networking time with other attendees and other topics of interest.
2: Yeah. It's all online, right? Everything you can actually like all the training stuff is already there. So you're not there to get trained necessarily.
4: Well, and if you want to, Get technical, you go to a session. If you, you know, Mm. keynotes are more for the general audience, for everybody, for all ears.
2: Which,
0: which leads us nicely into that. How on earth do you pick a topic? So it sounds like, you know, you have seen some trending. Do people get in touch with you guys? Do you offer coaching? Do how does this work? How does or or is it sometimes a a keynoter comes with a standard topic and that's why they're selected?
4: Yeah. Well. Um, you know, what we used to do is we worked very, very closely with these committees, these local committees, um, you know, all around the U S and a little beyond, and they typically, they know who they want to hear from. So Mm -hmm. they would send us their top three or five speakers. Um, and we were happy to reach out to these speakers and, um, you know, often they would be able to sign up for multiple events, but you know, as, as you know, in the tech community. Um, if you have somebody who you can rely on event after event, everyone wants to hear from, they may switch roles like the next day. And you can't necessarily depend on that person to be, you know, your, your keynote for multiple events. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we tried to do, you know, in the past year or so is really, um, first of all, recognize those people that we see since we travel to so many events, we'll see people in local communities who really have a great voice, a great message to be heard, um, And we share their information with our local committees. So what we would do is, you know, just honestly, we sent out a survey, um, send us links to your blog, your social media. Do you have a couple abstracts, a couple lines of what you'd like to talk about? Um, where do you work? You know, so we would share all this information and compile it and, um, send it to our committees. And oftentimes our committees hadn't even heard of these folks before they saw a topic um, that really got them excited. And we've been able to bring more people up through that keynote pipeline.
0: Oh, that is so interesting. So if you were coaching somebody, um, on how to, how to get on that road to keynoting, what kind of, I don't know, press package, it's almost like, sounds like you, you suggest they put together. What, what elements would you suggest somebody had at the ready to make themselves available in this way?
4: I think blogs are really number one, Emily. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you, yeah, Yeah. I I would say, I would say blogs are huge. Social is big. Social media is big, Twitter handles and such. Um, But also if there are videos of people presenting at previous events, I mean, that's proof right there (laughs) that they can do a presentation. So that's always key. Bios are something that are great to have on hand um, in general. And, you know, if a keynote is selected, we'll need that bio eventually anyway. So um, you know, those are kind of the main elements. Anything else? Do,
2: back in the day, um, you used to make you, a speaker, prospective speakers used to make up something called a one sheet. It, do you see those anymore?
3: Yes, we do. Once in a while. It's not as um, often as before, though, because so many people are pointing us to social media and um, and their blogs. But one thing that I'll, I'll add to what Renee was just saying is that in terms of your presence, it's really letting the audience know you. And so um, some other things that we've seen besides the, the normal items are just um, a list of some of the topics that you'd be interested in presenting on. So many times we see a name and we associate maybe one or two topics with it, but that person is working on so many different things. So if there are items that you have success stories on, um, those are the things that I would also get together because we might be thinking of you in one way, but you have something else to offer as well.
0: Oh, I love that. So, so as the time comes, um, how, again, how do you, how do you narrow down? How do you, how do you either help decide what is some of the coaching you offer folks who, who maybe do have many different topics? Does something always jump out? I'm sort of laughing and thinking about how we decide to do these podcasts. You know, there's a bit of what's in the news. There's a bit of, you know, to your point, letting the the guests, the speakers um, shine. How do you coach people to, to topic?
3: It is all of those things. It really just depends on the group that we're working with and what they want to showcase to their audience. So when we're working with these volunteers um, on the clients, it's, it's what's relevant at the time. It's what they've been talking about if they've been having smaller meetings, like chapter meetings throughout the time. Sometimes we get a list of names of folks that they're interested. Sometimes it's a list of topics and we're able to give some suggestive suggestions of things that we've seen are popular. And other times, if we have a person already um, looking through their list, it's really allowing that individual to um, talk to the committee and say, what do you want to see? How can we tailor this to make sure it fits within what you're looking for? And the fun thing for Renee and I on these different clients has been uh, coming in as event planners or nonprofit uh, focused, if you will, and then learning about all this technology and being able to say, yeah, we know so and so who's done great presentations on this or that, and been able to actually speak to the technology, um, which is, I think, very unique and different.
0: Oh, I think that is fabulous. I love this idea of people kind of, again, dropping their jaw a little bit and saying, "Wait a second, you know, you, I mean, you're, you're, not know what, yeah, you're not <laughs> yeah. supposed to know what, yeah, <laughs> you're not supposed to know what ESXI is," and you're like, "Well, no." I
3: <laughs> yeah, when they ask us and we have answers, I think sometimes they're just thinking we'll let them know what other events have done. But to be able to have uh, uh, input has been a special part of, I think, the experience that we've had with volunteers over the years.
4: Absolutely. And it impresses people at parties, too. I <laughs> 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 some jargon.
0: I, I love it. So it leads me into my next question about, um, you know, how do you help foster some of that relationship uh, between both the speaker and the audience and the speaker and the committee that eventually has to decide, you know, who's going to be their keynoter. How, what, what are some of the key observations you've had over the years about, you know, how to appear, like you said, how to appear as a reliable speaker on people's lists, how to make the list in the first place, how to develop that rapport.
4: Well, I think one of the neat things that I see is once a speaker is confirmed, I'll see our, you know, the local committees start to tweet and reach out to them, get conversations going. Um, you know, that door is kind of opened. And I think that that's observed by other community members as well. You know, even though um, these volunteers are all over the globe, they're connected. Um, and, you know, it really shows a sense of community and it shows that those speakers are willing to give back. So, um, you know, I think they kind of build a reputation. Um, along with all their technical knowledge and their their speaker experience.
3: Yeah, a lot of the the call for speakers we see for these larger annual events that some of the um, original equipment manufacturers have, what we find is that people in in social media are saying, oh, no, our session was rejected. But so many times these other user-driven events are just looking for someone who's willing. That really is Mm. the first thing because people aren't willing to raise their hands to give a smaller session somewhere um, so if you're willing to do that a few times over, you're gonna be that first person on their list to be a keynote um, when you say that you're ready and willing.
0: Great advice. I mean, I you know, I sort of joke of uh, get up, dress up, show up, you know,
3: yes, it's and, all of that
0: <laughs> and, it, and it it's amazing how i I think people sometimes think there's a magic or there's an inside club or, but I love your I love your candor there of, you know, maybe you didn't strike it out of the park, like you said with a submission. For a session in a particular context, but maybe in a different context, it's just the right thing. Or like you said, or maybe you practice in a certain way. You don't necessarily just hop up on the keynote stage first thing.
1: Yeah, and Amy, on the showing up and and whatnot, the dressing up, I was curious if, uh, Renee, Emily, if you've noticed anything when it comes to um, how people dress, honestly, when they're keynoting? Like, do you feel like it's the right time for people to put on their best business suit and and feel like badass and uh, boardroom? <laughs> or do you think uh, people should be more true to themselves or should they align to the audience? Like, do you see any patterns there?
4: Yeah, I think it's always important to be true to themselves. Um, you know, if you have an executive coming in with a hoodie who typically isn't a suit, but they want to blend with the audience. That doesn't really work, I would say. Um, I know there's this suit versus hoodies kind of concept. I could add costume to
0: that. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've just developed a great new game for all those Vegas events that we end up at. (laughs) Well, Your costume.
4: Yeah, your costume. (laughs) No, I can say, too. um, So as an example, we did have an event. um, It was in Phoenix. Shout out to Phoenix a couple years ago where they happened to have three keynotes they had a great opportunity to have a top uh executive speak and then they had someone who was a little bit more on the product side who's very popular in the community and then they also had a couple guys speak on community um and the event happened to be uh October 30th um so you know the committee and I kind of tried to encourage uh attendees to wear costumes to the event uh, in return for a giveaway um we kind of toned it down to wear a superhero t-shirt because our expectations weren't that high. Um, But, you know, the executive came in, he wore a suit. He was true to himself. The audience loved uh, having that exposure. Um, The other guy came in wearing a hoodie. (laughs) He requested Justin Bieber music um, for his entrance. Um, And (laughs) that was him. Um, You know, it was kind of a quiet entrance. People didn't quite understand what was going on, but they appreciated him and he had a great presentation.
1: Um, I think I like that even more. It's just like the, just be boldly yourself right there.
0: Right. Wait, wait, what is that saying? If you can't if you can't be yourself, be a unicorn. In this case, if you can't be yourself, be Justin Bieber. Right.
4: <laughs> and then I would say the third you keynote, which was a duo, maybe even uh, one up him. Um, because they came on to speak on community, they entered to the Empire March from Star Wars. One was wearing a full Sith costume. One was full Darth Vader, um actually onesie pyjamas. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. um, people loved it. People like stood up and cheered for that Star Wars song more than they cared about Justin Bieber. No offense to that presenter. Um, he knew they knew their audience. They knew themselves, mm-hmm. and the siF mask stayed on throughout the keynote. I couldn't even watch.
3: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> i I don't have that good of a story, but I do have one volunteer that I worked with over three years, and he never got on stage to speak. Sometimes our volunteers will give just an update or some housekeeping items. And uh, he always wore jeans and a polo. And then on that third year, he finally did a couple announcements and he came in a full suit. He was ready to go. And it was what was comfortable for him. So I think it's that idea of do what's right for you, what fits for you, what fits for the audience. Uh, But it was really cool to see him make that transition and and be so confident to get up there.
0: I I actually love this question because I do think it, it it feels like it must be the second in line question of people. Uh, it's the stuff that ties us all together, right? The first is what in the heck should I talk about? What is successful? And then people asking, what should I wear?
2: Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: it's it's honestly like something to consider, and and there are those weird nerds like myself uh, that's as comfortable you know in a suit as I am in a hoodie. Um, so it's sometimes just yeah, it's it's more of a conversation than you think you'd have, but. Uh, Just be true to however you feel that day is, I think, good advice to
2: give anyone. I have a question um, about, uh, about speakers and and people showing up. And I know probably there's some events that you're like, wow, this one's going to be great. And then there's probably some events where you're like, "Mm, well, we'll see how this one goes. It might be a real stinker. (laughs) Have there been any times when um, someone has surprised you? I mean, the costume is one, but I mean, in terms of you thought that they might be, I don't know, you thought that this one might be kind of boring or dry, but it, but the speech was actually either super polished and practiced because you can really tell if someone's like a, you know, has a thing for speaking or has practiced their talk versus like looking at the slides going, uh, and the next one is, uh, you know, and then we've all seen that. I mean, but so I do mean, have there? you have any stories about like being surprised in a good way about, uh, the content of a speech. Like you didn't think somebody had it in them, but they'd obviously, they'd, practiced all night or something?
3: Yeah, I actually have one about that for someone that who, again, was a volunteer that we worked with on the committee who, over time, had helped make the selection for some of these things. And uh, it's very negative of me, but I was just not sure that it was going to work out. But everyone was very excited to have this person from a different different area. And it was so impressive how, um, after talking with them in person, they got up there, they were personable, they were funny, they were very focused on sharing challenges and so they were relatable to the audience and that was really exciting to see that development over time because you have this perception of how it might go and to see them really flourish um was exciting
2: nice nice
1: oh there's also such a good nugget in there too that you said that we're you know almost uh, to change your words like to express failure or to walk through some of the challenges of a role is a great way to connect with the audience
4: I think that's huge. I think people appreciate that more, more than you would expect. And, um, I think too, when people get very personal, uh, you know, I saw, I think one surprise I had was I expected this keynote to be just about career, but this presenter really got kind of into his personal life, um, struggles throughout his career more so than building your career. And in the end, you know, ended on a positive note. But I was worried that it might be somewhat of a downer for the audience. And, you know, we always send out surveys and it was rave reviews. People were very excited, big fans. So, you know, it doesn't hurt to be vulnerable.
0: Well, and and I have to, you know, in full disclosure, I've had the pleasure of working with these ladies before. And I am, I'm a young, early in, in this game kind of keynoter. I've only done a couple. And I am amazed at the support. Again, if somebody has witnessed, born witness to 90 keynotes, they know more than you. Um, and I am certainly grateful for all feedback and help that you ladies have given me through my process here. Um, if I had one tip to just sort of throw out there, I think it's that there's an amazing amount of support um, in, in our community overall. And uh I, I would I would ask what what are some great acts of sort of support, kindness, engagement, tips? What what can you offer us if, if you're seeing like kind of a keynoter to keynoter or or again, because of your expertise, um being able to to guide somebody? I would love to hear some of your stories of success.
3: Yeah, I'll share one. So we had a uh, individual who was going to speak who had the content down and was very excited. And so uh, just building the confidence, I think, was the thing that this individual was missing. So being able to um, actually sit with him and have him practice his presentation was so valuable. So we went through it twice. Again, I am not the technical expert, but just being able to give feedback um, from to someone was something that made it even better. And they appreciated that so much. So then when they got on stage, they were ready because they'd already been through it a few times. We've had a lot of folks who are on committees who've helped uh, go through that with the presenter before they're up on stage. And I think that that is um, the keynote to keynote success, because you can go and talk to someone who's in a keynote that you would admire and see what their tips are too.
0: I really like that. So so in that vein, um, based on your experience, what works in the modern keynote and the flip side um what would you suggest avoiding at all costs
3: product pitches <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's not kind of universal. universal though <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so product pitches have no place in the modern keynote
3: they just really don't and i, I know that's hard to believe <laughs> but that is always the lowest rated um i think it goes back to Amy, what you were saying about reading off the slide you know maybe they haven't prepared We've had those people on the keynote stage and, um, the energy is just not there. You can tell that they're not even excited about it. So really knowing what that content will be is important for success.
4: Right. And even if you're speaking on behalf of your company, own your content, own your deck, add some cat memes, do what you got to do. People appreciate, (laughs) people appreciate you being genuine. Um, I think that's the biggest thing going back to being true to yourself, um, being vulnerable, uh, Practice is good. You know, <laughs> don't get too big of a head about, you know, being vulnerable. Practice is great. Um, and I can also say, too, um, that event planners that we work with, they, you know, they like to test things out. So, uh, audio. So, um, you know, go in there for the AV test. Um, but yeah, I, I would say just be true to yourself and own your content.
0: I, I feel like Mariah Carey taught us that this year, <laughs> if, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, now I have to ask, uh, guys. I oh, should wait, ask, is it is it you about have that a, time? Is about yeah. Do you have another question, or can I jump in?
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite city to host a event?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a good
4: one. Oh dear, yeah. I feel like I should I want to get this you in trouble. Yeah,
0: <laughs> they love all their cities and children equally. Love, Matt.
3: Yeah. Okay. It is. That's very difficult to answer. I would have to say the international events are are fun. <laughs> exactly. Because it's it's so it's so different, and they all have their own process in terms of the committee and what they're looking for. And even though it can be similar in some veins, um, it's fun to have that adventure. But not Vegas. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I would say maybe. I would
4: say maybe the cities too that have a less less of a tech pre- presence. Those folks who aren't necessarily exposed to all of the meetups and all of the different user events that come through. And this is their annual excitement. Um, you know, it,
0: you can figure like out which a family reunion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's really cool. And uh, actually I want to ask a follow on on that one. How do you, because sometimes I guess the speakers come, they're homegrown and they know that space. If you are flying somebody in, um, how do you, what sort of guidance do you offer to them on connecting to that local flavor so that they don't come off, you know, I mean, you can see the excitement of bringing an outside voice in versus accidentally not being sensitive to that culture or that town, that that place. How do you help people prepare to kind of cross those lines?
4: I mean, I'm always willing, I was always willing to have a call with the keynote beforehand to discuss uh, the committee, the community, I could, you know, say one example being a comedian that we had, um, uh, he kind of had an engineering focus in his comedy and he traveled to probably six or seven of our events. And even though he's a comedian, he's not necessarily technical. He had a, we had a call with him before every event. We let him know about the local community, the local volunteers, what to expect, um, what might be great topics to hit that he hadn't hit elsewhere. So if a comedian can do it, (laughs) you know, and if we can provide that support to a comedian, um, it's easily done with any speaker.
3: And this is where we're behind the scenes too. Most of it is us facilitating relationships between the community and other other people. So that's a great example here with hooking up those keynotes or presenters with the local leaders and, and volunteers who are part of that area to make sure that they're getting that connection.
4: And, and, you know, we would have a, typically a dinner the night before the event and we would invite keynotes to sit down with those, uh, the local committees and the community and get to know everybody.
0: That's such a, that's really great advice because, uh, I think coming in cold to an audience, you don't know, it's, it's interesting putting it in the frame of a comedian. You can feel what that would be like to be a comedian on stage about to bomb because you hadn't checked in of what jokes fly and Poughkeepsie. Um, <laughs> right. so, all right. So my, my final question, um, we are, as you know, in, in unbelievably positive group here on the geek whispers, but we always like to he- learn from negative space as well. So if you, and I'll ask each of you to answer independently, if you had one piece of advice for a keynote speaker, whatever you do, don't ever, ever, ever do this again. What would it be? <laughs>
3: hmm. Mine would be mic drop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have to tell you, my video production guy just shouted out in your in your honor on that one. He's like, "Do you know how expensive these are?" Yeah, the exactly. <laughs> the rap stars put pillows underneath them. They don't actually drop them. <laughs> All right.
4: That's true. I had one keynote speaker who always requested a handheld, and I said, no, you don't. <laughs> 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 you get a lavalier. Um, I would say also, um, it might be obvious, but don't go drinking with the community and show up hungover for your morning keynote. People saw you. They know where you were. If your energy is low, they have somewhere to attribute it. Um, I don't see that a lot, but that would
0: be something. Bad no, it's, that's really great advice. And I, I appreciate your point of people have seen you, they were out with you. So you can't just say, well, I have a cold this morning. You know, people are, people know. So to your point, even if it's not a hundred percent true, they have a way to attribute right. yeah, to honor your commitment that it is a big deal. I think that, and, and John, you were talking about a little bit of keynote sort of evolving through the ages, but um, I don't know, I would ask John, Matt, I feel like keynotes still have this place of honor and they are a bit revered and, and meaning you should, the, the honored guests should honor the station as well as the, you know, the expectation that the audience will provide
2: their full attention. John, what's your thought? Oh uh, yeah. uh, Seconding, thirding, right. I mean, any speaking slot, right. You, people are, it is a responsibility, right? People are sitting there looking at you. If I mean, they're checking out their phones too, probably. But, uh, you know, it's a big responsibility. But especially if you're the keynote, if you're the people that, the the, the, the se- segment that brings everybody together and it's supposed to be the thing that's interesting to everybody, you have a huge responsibility. It's a little bit scary, even if, you've, even if you've done it a bunch of times. On the other hand, I mean, I don't think people should, I mean, people put in their bios keynote speaker or things like that. I mean, it's not like it's an, it's not like it's a, you know, it's just a bigger speech, right? It's not like you ascend into the clouds and you're given some secret book and a crown or anything, right? It's it's just another speech. <laughs> so it's there's nothing different about a keynote other than you know, you should be engaging, but you should always be engaging. So
0: good good point. Matt, what are your thoughts? I know you've been keynoting.
1: Uh, yeah, I got the opportunity to and I still definitely think of it. It's it's one of those old timey things. Maybe it's not even, you know, totally, it's, it's important because it feels important in the same way. Like when you get syndicated at like a big, um, publisher or you make your first book, even if it's self-published, there's just gravitas to it. And there's something about respecting it. There's certainly the people I know that they've been keynoting for many years now. And I really admire the people that stick to it and still honor that commitment. As you put it, Amy, they, they get a good night's sleep. They've prepared their slides. They don't, um, they don't throw it away. They really value people's time and treat it as an honor. And I think the more we do it that way, the the more we give back and keep that going forward.
0: And I will say, like I said, from, from my perspective, um, there is no, there is no dishonor in asking for help and the support of the people around you. I am, I'm absolutely a newbie and the one of the greatest things has been just learning from people, like you said, have either done it for a lot of years, who just have a sharp ear and eye and provide feedback. Um we can all we can all improve no matter the size of the stage or the the scope of the speech. So uh uh Emily and Renee, this has been such a treat to kind of hear about this from from the flip side. It's it's been so instructive. Um if people want to follow up, if they have questions, uh, where can they find you online? Emily, if you'll, you'll tell us first where people can, can follow up.
3: Yeah. The easiest way is on Twitter. I'm at M Hender.
0: Perfect. And Renee, how about you?
3: I would say Twitter for me as well. Uh, it's
4: at run, like running, run, Ren, like Renee, Chicago, run, Ren Chicago.
0: That's awesome. And again, really appreciate your time. It is uh it is so instructive. So all of you prospective keynoters out there, here are a couple of people with with 90 plus under their belt. So uh you can't go wrong in in listening to their advice about how to get started, how to choose your topic, and and how to uh either wear a costume or not wear a costume. Um, <laughs> that uh great advice all around. And with that, we will uh say over and out. We appreciate again, all the folks listening to us. Um, I especially thought this was interesting that keynotes have trended toward investing in yourself, investing in your career. So we hope everybody out in listener land is continuing to do that, uh, and enjoying the Geek Whispers as part of that journey. So until next time, this is the Geek Whispers over and out.
1: you've been listening to the geek whispers podcast tune in on itunes or stitcher for regular stories of technology careers cultures and lives share it with a friend or invite us to an event through our website geek-whispers.com find us on twitter at geek underscore whispers or at jay troyer mj brender and comms ninja thanks for listening and see you next time